Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. Season three is all about the how-tos of running. And in this episode, I'm talking to run coach Katherine Westenfeld about all your favorite distances and how to train for them. If you've been thinking about whether it's time to run a 5K, 10K, half marathon, or marathon, then you'll definitely enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Runner's Roundtable. Season three is all about the how-tos of running. And in this episode, I am joined by Catherine Westenfeld. And Catherine, I think this is your third time on the podcast. So you are the most frequent guest that I've had. You were on the very first episode when we talked about who is a runner you were on another episode when we talked about safety on the run. And now you're here to take more of that, put more of your coach hat on as we talk about training the different distances. So for those who have not heard any of those episodes before, Catherine, tell us about yourself, a little bit about your running story and some of your, we'll start off with this. What is the most memorable coaching story you have to tell. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me again. I didn't realize, um, yeah, it had been so many times, but I love always getting to chat with you. So I appreciate you having me on again. Um, so as Stephanie mentioned, my name is Catherine. Uh, I've been a running coach for over four years now with Team Sugar Runs. Um, I've been a runner for over 15 years or so, so over half my life. Um, running everything from track and field all the way through the marathon, uh, everything in between that. So that's a little bit of background on me as a runner, as well as coaching. And then you asked about my favorite coaching experience. Um, that's tough because I've had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of really great relationships with uh, my athletes, but I think Really, I, I don't know if I want to single out one single experience, but I will say that it's always a privilege to get to work with athletes of all ages and abilities towards their goals, because for all of us runners, our running goals are so personal to us. And a lot of times we don't share them with other people because either they don't wouldn't understand because they're not a runner or we're just too nervous to share those big goals. So for me, it's really special when I know all of these people's like secret goals that are in the back of their minds of big dreams that they have for themselves that they want to work towards. And I know long-term, this might be a six plus year goal that we're working towards, but I know what we're working towards for each of these people. And so to be a part of that is really special uh, that they have their trust in me and, and want to place that within me. So I don't know if I could single out one single amazing experience because I've I would say 99% of my job is amazing and, and wonderful. Um, but I think that just being let in on those special goals is really what makes this job unique. Yeah, I love that because as run coach, you do get a peek into someone's life that not a lot of other people get to see. And you also get a peek into the things that maybe they're most vulnerable about mm -hmm. or the thing. I mean, sometimes when, when we're making our goals, the goals are big and they're scary and you're there to, to be that cheerleader for them and to kind of help them along. And I so appreciate 
you bringing up the fact that sometimes the goal is across years, not one training season, one training block, but like a goal that is across years because if anyone listened to season two of this runner's round table, that was such a big, big point of coach athlete relationship is something that requires time. It requires communication. It requires honesty and openness in order for the relationship to work and feel good for everyone. So I love that. Yeah. I put totally put you on the spot with that question. I'm like, okay, well, let's see, let's see, let's see where she goes with this, but it is because every person is so unique. And I'm sure you can think to every single relationship that you have with your athletes and be like, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. That there's something special about all of them. So I'm going to bring us back because we've got a lot of ground to cover in this episode. And we're going to start off. We're going to start off with our very first distance. So this episode is about training the distances. And we're going to start off with everyone's favorite, probably how most people get involved with running, at least as adults. We're going to talk about the 5K. How do we train for a 5K? What are some of the things that we need to consider when it comes to a 5K? And the one thing I really want to focus on as we go through these distances is how much time a person needs to commit to do the training for the distance. So when it comes to a 5K, in your experience, what usually works best for people and what is the time frame? So not only how many how much should you be running a week, but how long is a training cycle for a 5K typically? Sure. So I've coached runners from couch to 5K to more advanced runners who are looking just to improve their time and speed in a 5K. So I've kind of broken things down uh, a couple of ways. So for that couch to 5K athlete, so someone who's going from no running at all to wanting to be able to complete a 5K, I would say about 10 to 12 weeks. Um, about three days a week is what you're looking at for that athlete. For the consistent runner who has a base already, of, um, and when we say base, we're talking about an aerobic base, which is easy mileage that you've built over time um, and a lower heart rate zone. Um, I would say for that type of runner, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks to really sharpen up that speed, uh, depending on what your goals are for the 5k. And that runner could be running anywhere from, you know, four to six days a week as, as well. So for your person who's a coach to 5K, are you including any speed workout? Is that just, you know, for a person and I'll, I'll give myself sure. as an example. When I started running, I did a coach, a coach, a coach, <laughs> a couch to 5K program. And I remember that program. It wasn't distance based. It was time based. It was three runs a week, but it was go out and do 20 minutes, go out and do 15 minutes for that couch to 5k person. Are you giving them miles or is it time-based? And then within that, are they doing any kind of workouts or is it just more focused on time on feet? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I coach couch to 5k, it sounds like I do what's similar to what you said you've done. It is time-based. Um, and so we're starting with the intervals of running to walking, the ratio is actually lower on the running and 
greater on the walking. Um, and we're increasing that over the 10 to 12 week period. Um, the, the run intervals get longer, the walk intervals get shorter. Um, so that's, I, I typically do time-based. I don't do any speed work in that. Um, we're assuming that this person's coming in having no um, exercise experience. So they're not cycling right now. They're not swimming elliptical. They're starting from zero. So I would say from someone just looking to start getting in shape, um, no speed work. We don't need to introduce more stimuluses to that. Um, they're already going to be pushed a lot by adding this new uh, time on their feet that they didn't have before. So I would say so starting with the time on feet intervals is correct. And then for the experienced runner, are they going to have, or does it, does it change? Does it change? I guess the question I want to ask, are experienced runners more likely to come to the 5k distance to seek some kind of improvement versus your couch to 5k person who might be doing it just to finish? Yeah, there's definitely a range. Um, and I'll even uh, suggest to my marathoners that we take a block and do a 5k speed cycle because working on that taxing that different system where you're really hitting vo2 max um can ha have a big impact later down the road on future training so yes the, some of those athletes are going to be we're definitely going to be doing workouts because they want to improve their overall um anaerobic capacity and, and their VO2 max, um, to be able to help them in other distances. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> yeah. I last summer I did, um, a 5k training block and I had the most fun because for me personally, it was in the summer where I consider myself to be my, most challenging runner self because mm -hmm. the heat is something that I don't respond well to. And it was so nice. It was so nice. My longest long run was like maybe seven, eight miles. <laughs> it was just so delightful. And that's when I think of that, I'm like, that was so delightful. And even the speed workouts were shorter. I mean, everything about the entire training process was so delightful. The race itself was so challenging because it is a different mental space mm -hmm. that you have to get into when you're racing a 5k than it is with the marathon. And I'm someone who I, I can say this for myself is I'm more of an endurance person. I just like to go out and just like, and if my friends are with me and we can just go for hours, I'm totally happy. Whereas that 5k, it's so much focus because it does go by fast, but also the training was really fun for it. How do you get your marathoners? And we'll, we'll kind of, we'll get to that distance in a bit, but how do you get your marathoners to buy into doing a 5k training plan, right? Because you have a new runner when they come to you and they say, I want to do couch to 5k, they're motivated to do that. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like marathoners, we kind of get stuck or more longer distance runners. We get stuck in the wanting to keep doing the same training cycle over and over again. How do you, convince people to like, Hey, let's take a break and let's focus on a 5k for a minute. Yeah. I think sometimes it's giving up real life examples. Like I know for me the summer before I set my big marathon PR, I did a 5k training block to break things up. And I stand by the fact that that was what the difference maker between, uh, where I was at and how much time I was able to take off in that next cycle. So I'll try to use that 
and other athletes who have had similar success from that as examples. Um, but there are some times where people just want to keep doing back-to-back marathon cycles. And sometimes it comes, unfortunately, from that plateauing and they've realized that, you know, maybe they haven't improved their marathon time in a couple of years that they've been working really hard at it, but just things aren't clicking. And so that's when we'll have that conversation of, you know, let's look at your training. We haven't done anything quite different, um, you know, in the last couple of years, maybe we've been doing marathon cycles because they keep wanting to sign up for the marathon majors or other races that are exciting to them. And we talk about, I just have that honest conversation um, about what we think or what I think from my experience could help them get to that next level if that's their goal. And a lot of the times that is either dropping down to a 5k half marathon, something shorter to work systems a little bit differently. Are there any lifestyle considerations that a person should take when they're thinking about running a 5k or training for a 5k? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the 5k is great, like you said, because it is manageable on the week. Like if you do a weekend long run, week on the long run is shorter. Um, so it's, it's good for periods of life where you might have a lot of other things on your schedule, um, outside of running that are going to take precedence and have importance to you. So that would be one reason maybe we shift to something like that. That's a little bit lower mileage. Um, it is higher intensity though. So I do recommend when someone's doing a 5k build that they're also taking into account that they should be doing some strength training with that. Um, I think if you're looking to improve that 5k time, strength training is huge in, um, in that specific distance, um, because you can really get a lot of speed through like explosiveness and like a box jump or other plyometric exercises. Um, so that's something I'll tell them as well as if they're trying to shift and get a little bit into uh, a lot of runners now are trying to get into strength training. So that can be a good like gateway to that is let's drop the mileage a little bit, focus on speed and strength. Um, that can be a good way to do that. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's, it's a good distance for busy seasons of life, or just if you're feeling burnt out on those really long runs, um, it's a great way to still appreciate what your body can do and run, but not have to be out there for two plus hours at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I hear all of that. I hear all of that (laughs) as I look, as I look forward to what's to come for myself. (laughs) All right. So let's say a person does the 5k, they do their race. What is recovery like for that athlete? How much time do they take for recovery? What is, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, what's the turnaround time after a 5k race? Yeah. The great thing about the 5k is it doesn't require as much recovery as some of these other distances. So if you're someone who is not great about taking really long, prolonged times of rest, can be a good distance for you. Usually I'll say about one to two complete race rest days after that goal 5k and then the rest of the week, take it pretty easy. So very comfortable runs, no speed work. Um, but realistically you can get back to some sort of speed, um, a week after a 5k even, um, because it's not going to have pushed your body over, over the edge of some of these other distances do. Okay, here's a question I'm going to ask with all the distances, but this will be the first time you hear it. I run a 5K. I have a PR goal, like I'm going for time. I don't meet my time. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and I say, Catherine, there's another 5K in two weeks. 
Can I attempt for a PR at that race? So you yeah, can start laughing now because that's the question I'm going to ask you for each distance. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. So like I said, the 5K is a good one if you are not prone to, everyone needs to take a break sometimes. But the nice thing about a 5K is if it does not go well like that, you do have the ability to pivot and do something different. I would encourage you to realistically look at your training though and know is this race result the result of just a bad day, um, an off day, or was I really just not in shape for this goal? Um, and making that determination, if you think you maybe you need a little bit more time training, do another four weeks of specific training for that, that race and do another 5K after about a month. If it was truly just an off day, Sure, you know, another week or two, go go race it again, um, and, and just try to try to go for that time. But I think just being realistic with yourself of like where you actually were going into that race um, can help alleviate the constant backup races. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Let's go to the ten k. So ten k, six point two miles. Five k was our three point one miles. So for a ten k, if we're racing a ten k. How much time, how many runs a week, how many weeks of a training cycle is that? And then also in your experience, have you ever had athletes come to you and say, oh, I want to like a couch to 10K program? Because I'm trying to think back now to myself and I'm like, never really get the 10K distance. <laughs> I feel like that's not a rate. That's not a distance that's raced often, even though a lot of races offer it, but it's not. What's your experience with that distance? Yeah. And that's funny you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up is this is actually my least coach distance for sure. And I, I don't know what it is, why people jump from 5k to half marathon or marathon and seem to skip the 10k. Um, to be honest, I personally think the 10k is the hardest distance to race because it's the 5k, you know, it's over quickly. Um, but the 10k you're sitting in that very similar uncomfortable zone, but for double the distance, um, so I think it is the hardest to train for. And maybe that's why people avoid it um, because it is uncomfortable. Um, but if we were to look at, uh, you know, how much time uh, we need to train for that, um, I would say for a beginner. So someone um, just starting off, I'd say about 12 to 16 weeks of training. Um, and then for that consistent runner that we talked about before with more of a base about 10 to 12 weeks. Um, Mileage wise, like, and this is where there's a huge range because you get everything from someone who has a huge aerobic base coming in and is really focused on like overall time versus someone who wants to just complete the 6.2 distance for the first time. Um, so mileage can range, I'd say anywhere from 15 to 40 mile plus miles a week, depending on the athlete and what their goals are. Um, probably anywhere from again, three to six days a week, depending on where you're at in your fitness journey. So again, the question of you have your person who's a newer runner versus your more seasoned runner, are there speed workouts that they're, that both either are doing with this distance? I, I definitely would incorporate some more speed into this, even for someone who is a beginner, because I do think at least at a bare minimum for a beginner, we could do something like a strides workout. Um, there's varieties of this where you could do about 20 to 30 seconds of hard running, followed by 
40 to 90 seconds of easy running between each interval. Um, so we could do something like that just to inject a little bit of speed um, for athletes who are really focused on a time goal for the 10K. I do have several runs I really like to incorporate, one of those being like mile repeats in there. Um, one of my favorites that is uncomfortable but good is like a 2K hard effort, um, you know, closer to that 10K pace with like a 1K float in between. And a float is where you kind of step off the gas a little bit, um, letting your body recover, but you're still moving um, and then kind of go back into that 2K. So there are great workouts for a 10K if you are hoping to really improve that speed there. What's the recovery like after you do the 10K race? What are some things that you should consider? Is it longer than the 5K, shorter? When do you get back to running after that race? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if the 10K race was the goal race, I would say take a few rest days afterwards, um, you know, anywhere from like two to three, depending on what your training load was like. Um, and then a couple of weeks of just really easy running. Um, and then you can resume workouts after that point. Uh, some of my athletes will actually incorporate a 10K into like a half marathon build. Um, so if they're doing that, you know, we're still having to get back to training. So what I would do, so say that 10K was in the middle of a training cycle for a half marathon, I'd have them probably take either recovery miles the next day or a rest day and then take the rest like the next five days or so really easy. And then maybe we do like either a long run on the weekend or a long run with a little bit of pace work to kind of get some speed back. Um, so it depends on whether or not that race was the true goal race of the cycle. All right, coach, I did the 10K. I didn't meet my time. There's another 10K in two weeks. I wanna to try to make my time there. What do you say to this athlete? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I would probably advise against it because you that that 10K, you're you're sitting at a effort that's not quite like VO2 max, but your sub threshold for that effort, um, you know, anything like half marathon and up, you're gonna be a little bit slower than like your threshold piece. So um, this is really, this is a hard distance on the body. Um, so for this one, I would really have an honest conversation again on like, was this a result of bad weather conditions? Like, did you push your body? Would you say you gave it a hundred percent on that day? Even if the pace doesn't reflect what you think a hundred percent is, if you think you gave your effort, like a hundred percent effort, we need some more time to recover because your, your body just can't handle racing constantly. Um, if you, you know, if you, you went into it and turned it into a workout because the, say the weather was really hot and you didn't think you could race and maybe we consider racing one, like in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's tough. Cause a lot of these questions are going to be, it depends yeah. <laughs> on the athlete, but I definitely like, if these are goal races for you though, I wouldn't race another 10 K after only two weeks. Personally, I wouldn't advise it. In what season of life would a 10K training block work well? Yeah, I would say uh, um, really any, uh, it, depending on what your goals are, because for my more advanced athletes for a 10K, they could end up running anywhere uh, north of 40 miles a week, um, still training for a 10K, which is still a big time commitment. 
So I think it depends on, um, you know, what your goals are, what your fitness level is, what your intentions are for the race. You can make this a more doable, like four day a week type of plan, um, three to four days a week. If, if that's, if your goal is mostly on completion versus pace, you know, I think you could still fit this into a busy, busy schedule. If you're, if your goal is just to build up to 6.2 and not actually to do more workouts, but for my more advanced athletes, I will actually have them doing eight to 12 mile long runs for a 10 K buildup, um, just to get that aerobic, uh, base building in there. Now I'm not a nutritionist. You're not a nutritionist. I'm going to assume, but are there any nutritional things that we should start taking into consideration when we're thinking of the 10 K distance? So I didn't ask you this for the five K, but if you can chime mm-hmm. in real quick on that, in terms of what are just certain things that we should be aware of when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to hydration, when it comes to training for a 5k or training for the 10k. Sure. So for the 5k, um, you probably don't need to take any intra run fuel, which means that you're taking something during the race. Um, it's going to be short enough where you're, you're not going to really need to, to take any gels in or additional fuel. Um, however, you are going to want to make sure you're staying hydrated before that race, um, especially a lot of people do these 5k training cycles in the summer when it's really hot and humid. So you're losing a lot of sweat. Um, you're losing a lot of salt from your sweat potentially. So making sure that you're still taking like electrolyte drinks, um, but uh, you don't, in terms of the 5k, you don't really need to take anything during the race itself. A 10k, I would say is more personal preference for during the race, um, depending on how long you're going to be out there. If you're going to be out there running your 10k for over an hour, I think you will want to have something during the run, potentially halfway through like a gel, um, right around that 30 minute mark or so. If you're going to be running for under an hour, I would say that that is more your personal preference um, of whether or not you think you want to take fuel halfway through your race. For some athletes, because this effort is so intense, you're running at such a fast pace for this 10K, taking something might upset their stomach. Um, So if you're running, you know, under that hour mark, you probably don't need to take any fuel in during the race. Um, A lot of times what I'll recommend for athletes racing these shorter distances, though, is to maybe take a gel 15 minutes before the start. So you're kind of front loading your, your tummy with, um, some extra carbohydrates because you will have eaten breakfast a couple hours uh, ago. So there's something in there, uh, to get you through it, but yeah, hydration is definitely important, um, for, for both of these, but nothing that I would say you need to carry additional fuel with, unless you are an athlete in the 10 K that's going to be out there for over an hour. Yeah. Or unless you're an athlete like me that likes to have the gel as like a security blanket, like I'll Mm -hmm. take it with me just in case. I'm like, maybe if I want it, or if I'm feeling like I've had runs where even when I have breakfast or I have a gel before the start at 30 minutes, I can feel my stomach grumbling. Like it's at, and I'm like, all right, okay, I guess we're just going to do the gel. So like, I love that you, that, that it's that it's such an invitation for people to kind of figure out what works for them during the race. And obviously people test out your hydration, test out your fueling when you're doing your training runs. But 
I'm totally one of those people where like my gels and like my water, like they're my security blankets. I may not even use them, but just having them there <laughs> makes me feel better. Like my brain is, yeah. is just comfortable. All right, moving on to what I think is probably the most popular distance people train for, even though we go through periods of time where I feel like it seems like everyone's training for a marathon, but in my experience, the half marathon seems to be that sweet spot for a lot of people. So when it comes to your half marathon, again, we'll have our new runner and then our experienced runner, advanced runner, however we want to label that. What's an overview of what training looks like for a half marathon? Yeah, so for our beginners, I would say work up to that 10K distance first before you think about running a half marathon and then think about adding another 10 to 12 weeks on top of that afterwards to build up to that half marathon distance. Um, for the intermediate athlete, so that's someone who's probably run, you know, several races before, probably run several 10Ks, possibly even run a half marathon before as well. Um, but may, maybe not coming in with as much of like an aerobic base. Um, so if they're coming in, you know, with like less than 15 miles a week or so, I'm going to say about 14 to 16 weeks for that athlete who's coming in a little bit lower mileage. Um, for the advanced athlete who has like a really strong base coming in, which means they've been Consistently training, I would say, um, over the last year, just like consistently running over 20 miles a week, um, they really probably only need about a 12 week specific build um, for the half marathon. Um, so that's that's weeks. Um, in terms of mileage, again, this is going to be a huge range. Um, I think starting off, um, you should if you're training for a half, I think you should be able to comfortably run about 15 miles per week before you even consider training for this distance. So that would be very base. Um, and you, you'll have people running all the way, um, beyond 50 miles a week for those more advanced athletes, like in their peak weeks of training. Um, but realistically, I think, you know, someone who's training for a half marathon, uh, might get closer to like an overall mileage around like 30, 25 to 30 miles a week. Um, someone more advanced will probably get, you know, 50 or, or so, um, depending on those goals. Uh, for the half marathon, though, I do think you probably want to start factoring in uh, that you're going to want at least three to four days a week of running. If you're doing three days a week of running, I do think this is where cross training starts coming into play is if you're only going to run three days, I'm probably going to want you to have another cross training day in there, um, one to two cross training days to still build your endurance. Um, if, if you're more injury prone, that's where we might bring that cross training in. Um, but athletes can run you know, six, six days a week or so for, for half marathon training. It's really athlete preference. In your, in Catherine's dictionary, is cross training the same thing as strength training? No, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> so when I'm talking about cross training, it's a good question. Um, cross training would be something that's getting your heart rate into an aerobic zone. Um, so I'm not using the cross training as your workout per se, like, but it's, it would be similar to an aerobic run where you're in that zone two, three, um, for your training, just like very comfortable, easy miles. Um, 
that's what I like biking, swimming, elliptical, rowing. Those are all examples of what I mean by cross training. Strength training is separate from that because most people are not getting their heart rate into an aerobic. They should not be um, during strength training. Um, the exception of that would be your hit training. But um, if we're talking about my personal preference, I'd say ditch the hit training while you're training specifically for like a half marathon. Um, and that's that you can do that, you know, in your off season, but I don't think that has a place in your actual like half marathon training. Yeah. That's why I'm like, let me just make that clear so that people, cause I knew I was like, Oh, she probably is talking about like, maybe you run three days a week, but then you go to spinning two days a week. Right. So thank you for clarifying that. What are, cause I feel like the bigger the distance, the more changes we have to make to accommodate the distance. What are certain in your experience, either your personal experience or from the conversations you've had with your athletes, what are some of the lifestyle changes that people have to make in order to accommodate a half marathon training cycle? Yeah, I think a big one is, especially in the, the summer months, um, is getting up earlier, uh, being willing to wake up early to do those long runs before the heat of the day, if it fits within your work schedule, obviously. Um, but uh, being knowing that you're going to be out of the house um, one day a week for, you know, over an hour, um, you know, one to two hours for, for that long run. Um, the other thing I think is that the nutrition piece also starts playing a bigger factor here. So making sure you're eating appropriately. Um, this is going to be a lot more miles than you potentially are used to in the past. So making sure you're fueling your body adequately with the right ratio of carbohydrates to protein to fats. Um, your carbs are actually going to increase as you get more and more miles um, because your body is going to need that more as an energy store. So being mindful of your nutrition, what you're putting into your body. Um, and I think also just knowing the recovery time also is going to increase on <laughs> in this distance. So thinking about what you have going on outside of running. Um, and are you going to be able to get enough sleep so that your body is able to adequately recover and not get hurt? Um, I think sleep's probably the most underrated thing when it comes to recovery. And that goes for really any distance, but, mm -hmm. um, but you'll start to notice yourself getting more and more tired as the miles go up. So um, being able to sleep is really critical for, for this distance and above what season of life season as a runner is a half marathon training cycle good for? Yeah, I think this is, this one's a good one when if you're, so for one, if, if you're thinking about doing a marathon in the future, I think the half doing a half marathon in my mind is a good first step to knowing if you're able to handle these demands of training, then if someone could run a half marathon, they can train for a marathon in my opinion. So I think for yeah, someone who's considering the marathon in the future, this is a good distance um, for someone who is hoping to improve that marathon time down the road. Like if they've run a couple marathons before, um, but haven't actually focused on speed before, this can be a good distance to do, to do that in because you have a little bit more time to work in a couple workouts a week um, versus in the marathon training. So this can be good for that. Um, I think it's a really good like 
big goal to have too. Uh, 13.1 miles is no joke. So uh, really anything when you start getting into those double digits can be really uh, motivating and inspiring to work towards. So if you're looking for a little bit of a push outside your comfort zone, um, this can be a good distance too. Uh, but it really, you can take this any way you want to in terms of how much commitment you want to put in. Mm. Um, into it but at a bare minimum I think you're looking at like you know for five hours a week or so of actual running at a bare minimum um your other more advanced athletes are going to run a little bit more than that okay coach I ran my half marathon <laughs> I didn't meet my goal there's another half marathon in two weeks can I go and try to do it there this one's a definite no um, for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, how is she going to put it? Cause the other two, you're like, maybe, uh, and yeah. guys, this one you're like, nope, no. Yeah. Why so did it know? <laughs> yeah. So I think we have to think about the whole training load, um, and not just the, the race itself. So for this, you're putting in three to four plus months of training specifically for this race. Um, and so it's a lot on your body. Um, and, two weeks after I would say is too soon because in my mind, it takes about a couple, couple weeks to actually recover from this half marathon effort. So right when you're coming out of that recovery and you try to race again, you're just going to set yourself back even further. Um, so I do think there is the potential to pivot, you know, four plus weeks later, if that's really the goal. But I would say if you're working with a coach, I would talk to the coach about, what was the intent of this training cycle? Is it, was it, uh, did we get what we wanted out of it? Um, if we did all the, the hard work and we, the workouts were all going great and the long run workouts went well, and we knew what kind of fitness you're in, in my mind, it's, you don't need to necessarily go after that time because we knew what kind of fitness you're in. And we checked the box of this is the intent of the cycle. Um, if, and so I think just thinking, yeah, thinking through, with, with an athlete, like what was the intent of the cycle? Did we accomplish that? If you didn't, then also evaluating why didn't we like hit that goal? Like, was it because of a bunch of missed training runs because of life things that came up or just inconsistency, like then evaluating, you know, maybe we need to take a step back and like this distance is just too much right now. Um, and that's why we, we didn't hit our goals. So no, definitely not two weeks after. Um, I could see someone doing like a month or so after if, if it's the right decision with uh, their training in mind. Um, but I think it, one thing that we, we haven't totally talked about is you can't train continuously at a high level. Um, so we do need to take very intentional breaks between training cycles. So thinking about what's on the calendar next is also important. If you have another, say you run a half marathon in this spring, but you have a fall marathon coming up in like October and you know, it's May now we ran a half marathon, try to do a marathon in October. I'm probably going to tell them no, because I need you to rest the rest of this month, like easy running because we have a marathon cycle to start building for. We don't have time to do another race that's where it's so important to have that conversation as to what are your goals. And I always think of like, that's what I come back to. It's like, okay, so what's actually the big goal right now? Because the big goal wasn't that half marathon. That was like a step, right? Yeah. But the big goal might be getting to that marathon healthy and 
doing something else within the half marathon distance might impact your ability to arrive to that start line for the marathon healthy. Mm-hmm. All right. Everybody's favorite distance. Yeah, but it's the distance I always use as an example because it's just, it's such a beast of a distance. And it is both impressive or not both, but it's just, it's impressive. It's awe-inspiring. And it can, I feel like I've had experiences where it totally breaks me as a runner where I'm like, wow, here, here were months and months of training. And then I just had a really bad day and there isn't, which preview for anyone who's listening to it, that that's not the easiest race to, or the easiest distance to bounce back from for our marathon. Okay. Same deal. We have our newish runner and our intermediate slash advanced runner. What does training look like for a marathon? Yes. So this, like you said, it is a beast, um, a lot more intensive than uh, these other distances, not necessarily in terms of intensity, but just in terms of time on your feet. Um, training for a marathon. So if we look at like a beginner, um, I think a beginner should be able to run comfortably 20 miles a week before even thinking about running a marathon. Um, I think their long run should be somewhere between eight to 10 miles where that distance is comfortable to them. Like it's not too intimidating. Um, and, and when we say runner, like they can be run walking this too. If their intention is to run walk that marathon, I'd say being able to run walk, you know, eight to 10 miles as well, um, is, is a good spot to be. Um, again, there's exceptions to every rule. There are athletes who come in who maybe they're, uh, former college swimmers or other like at, that they, they were really athletic in another high cardio um, field before like a swimming or cycling where they might be an exception to this rule um, but I'd say generally for the general population yeah about 20 miles a week comfortably is what we're looking at to start um, this person I would probably prescribe about a 20 week build up um, for for them um, assuming they have that that base already. If you don't have that base, that's when I'd think about your goal marathons in October. Then you think about starting to base build in like April. So you get April and May of base building, and then you have your 20 weeks um, you know, through the end, end of May, beginning of June through October. Um, so that would be for a beginner. Um, for a more intermediate athlete, so maybe you've done some half marathons before, maybe you've even done a marathon or two before, uh, anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks is probably what we're looking at for that athlete. For the very advanced runner, so someone who's probably running consistently within the last year, they've run you know 50 plus miles per week. They've done multiple marathons before, so they know what to expect. This isn't going to be new for them. I would prescribe about a 12 week, very intentional marathon build for that person. But again, that assumes they have a very big aerobic base coming into this. So the very small percentage of people I work with that actually fall into this like 12 week advanced marathon program. Most people are going to be anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks. How many runs a week? I would say for the marathon, you want uh, four days at a minimum. Um, you will see some athletes running up to seven days a week. Um, 
that again, not for everyone. Personally, I tried it once, didn't work great for me. <laughs> so um, um, I personally run about six days a week during a, a marathon build. So um, anywhere, yeah, from four to seven days. And that also, I should mention, like those people who are running seven days a week, they probably don't have full-time jobs where they're away from home <laughs> a lot of the time. Like you need to be able to sleep. For that so I should mention like people who are running that much like and if they're not like they're not doing it healthy um so like they need to be able to nap in the middle of the day or um and everyone's body's different in how you recover but I think if you're being honest with yourself like you can't work and have kids and everything on top of trying to run seven days a week so I'd say most people fall on that four to six days a week yeah I love that you point that out because I always I try to tell people all the time that training for a marathon is like having a, a second job <laughs> and in my experience it's like that because I have to approach life more mindfully when I'm training for a marathon because in my experience I can't get sloppy and by getting sloppy I mean I have to really be on top of my hydration really be on top of how I'm eating because the miles get long, the body gets taxed. And if my body doesn't have what it needs to do what I'm asking it, I'm going to feel it big time. So in general, what are those nutritional things that people need to keep in mind when it comes to training for a marathon and running a marathon? Yes. Um, so your, your nutritional needs definitely have gone up when you start increasing this uh, volume. Um, so I'd say, again, like we talked about with looking at the ratio of carbs to protein to fats on your plate, it's going to start shifting more towards higher carb um, on your plate because your body's going to need that to, to store it as energy. Um, the night before a long run, I always tell my athletes, um, to increase that amount of carbs that they need. Um, not only is it gonna sit better on your stomach the next day, but it's actually like, and, and again, not a registered dietitian, not a nutritionist. I've worked with several registered dietitians and they're awesome. So from what they've told me, you know, it, it's, um, you need that those carbohydrates the night before a long run because you need, that's what your body initially is gonna pull from um, for energy when you're, you're on your long run, it's gonna deplete those carbohydrate stores. Um, so we want that in there the night before a long run hydration. Um, right now in these summer months, uh, really important to start increasing those electrolyte sodium drinks. Uh, I would say even when you're not running on the run, you want to think about drinking them the night before a hard workout or a long run. Uh, so just even mixing that in with your water the day before is important. And then during the run nutrition, super important. Um, a lot of these runs are going to start getting over an hour. Um, your long runs on the weekend for some people are going to go two, three, potentially even four hours, depending on the athlete. Um, so you, you need to think about what you're carrying on the run. Um, a good rule of thumb that I was given by a dietitian is every third about for every hour you need about 50 at a minimum 50 grams of carbohydrates so that's equivalent to about two gels per hour um if you assume if you look at the gel most of them have about 25 grams of carbs in them um so thinking about counting out ahead of time 
how many gels am I going to need for this long run? Like how long do I think I'm going to be on my feet and always carry an extra? Like you said, you like that as a safety blanket, always carry an extra because you never know how a run's going to go. Um, I've been caught on runs before that have gone much slower than I anticipated and I've needed the extra gel and sometimes I haven't, sometimes I don't. And that can be the difference maker. Um, so carrying that, carrying all, plenty of hydration. When you're taking in these gels, you need to take, most of them are not gels that you have can take without water. You need the water. Um, so making sure you're, you're bringing that to, um, one suggestion would be to do a sweat rate test too, to see how much water you're losing on these longer runs. So on a run, the way you do this, go weigh yourself on the scale before you go out for a run. When you come back from the run, weigh yourself again. You do some math of how much, how many ounces of water you were taking in during the run and figure out what your sweat rate is so that you can start counteracting some of those impacts. So a lot on nutrition. That could be a whole podcast for sure. <laughs> for sure. What's the typical recovery period after a marathon race? Yeah, so... Event? Absolutely. So I always prescribe seven to 14 days completely off of running um, for depending on the athlete. Um, if there was an injury during the build, definitely 14 days completely off. Um, seven days off at a minimum just to let your body recover. Um, and I think beyond the physical recovery, people need to think about the mental recovery from this. This is a huge task. You're, you're asking your body to do, you're asking your family to do, um, you're asking yourself to put aside other commitments. So there's a big mental piece to this too, of being kind of burned out from running at times. So making sure you're giving your body and mind time to recover from this whole process, this four to five months that you've been working really hard for. Um, after about seven days, like that's when I'd consider doing your first really easy run um, for the next three weeks after that. So for about a month after the marathon, all easy running, all recovery running is what I recommend. Um, and then after about a month, you know, we might introduce some strides again, just to get a little bit of turnover back in. You can start doing aerobic, excuse me, aerobic paces again. Um, but this one takes a lot of time to recover from properly. Yeah. I ran the London marathon at the end of April and I feel like I'm still recovering from it. Like, but I feel like my body is still adjusting and it still re feels really foreign to me. My heart rate is so high and it's also, I, it's getting hot. So I'm like, wait, is my heart rate high because my body's still recovering or is it high because it's getting hot? There is a big recalibration period that happens after a marathon. And also there's something, I don't know if you remember, you posted this, oh gosh, months ago. And it was, I think a photo of your watch that said you were detraining. And mm. you mentioned how you could be discouraged, but that that's what you want to see. <laughs> the big event, like, yeah, you are going to detrain because you're recovering. So coach, you just said I needed to take seven to 14 days off, but I had my time. I didn't need it. There's another marathon in two weeks. Can I race that one? Can I go after that? Or how much time do I need before I can realistically go after that marathon goal again? Yeah. Um, 
for 99% of people, the answer is going to be no um, on this one, because you have to think about that last four to five months of really intense work that you just put your body through. Um, people think like that coaches are being strict when they say seven to 14 days off um, after a marathon. And it's not just because of the, the marathon itself, but it's that whole cycle that you just put your body through. Um, marathons though they do break down the body at a cellular level and so that's a lot of um, repairing that needs to go on in your muscles and um, so you don't you really don't want to try to uh, skip the recovery there and, and sh try to skirt around it because it's just going to come bite you in the butt later when uh, you haven't you're not fully recovered for the next event that you're going for um, so for most people 99% of people I'm going to say no the only exception to this would be if we before the race we intentionally went in and said this is a long run effort we are not racing this um, maybe the weather looked like really horrible that day like if that person had the ability to hold themselves back then maybe, but most people, even if they didn't meet their goal, they are going to have been pushing themselves to some sort of limit, even if the time clock looks different than what the goal was. So it's really not going to be a good idea to do another marathon in two weeks. Um, you asked like, when the, when can they do the next one in an ideal world? I want an athlete to take like one to two months off after a marathon before even starting to build for the next one. Honestly, I would say closer to two months if I had my way <laughs> with, with what, um, and, and really that's because, um, you really want to give your body that time to first recover for that first month. And then that second month is building back up your base so that you can go train for another cycle. Um, so it, and it's, you, if you look at the pro athletes too, they're only doing one to two of these per year. So I think there's something to be said for that. Like if they're only able to do one to two per year, the general public should really only be doing one to two per year. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to do some kind of rapid fire questions here. When it comes to 5K, 10K, half marathon and marathon, are the workouts usually time-based or distance-based or a combination? I'd say a combination. Um, usually for most of these, I start off with a block of some effort-based work and then transition into more like specific distance intervals as the training progresses. So both. Okay. What's the ratio to running and strength training across the distances? So again, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon. Is mm -hmm. there more, I mean, you had mentioned like, you know, in a 5K, it's lower mileage, but higher intensity. So again, when we're looking at these distances, in an ideal world where Catherine has her magic wand and the athletes mm -hmm. do as she says, yeah. what is that ratio of running days to strength days? Yeah, so 5K, I would say... Like for the beginner, like couch to 5k, they're just going to be doing running. We don't want them doing other, like increasing other stimuluses at that time for someone in a 5k though, who's, um, you know, going after a certain time, uh, I would say they're probably running anywhere from four to six days a week and strength training 
three to four days a week. Um, probably for most people, it's going to be closer to the three days a week. Um, but, but that would be the 5k, um, for a 10k, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, running, they're probably running three to six days a week, uh, probably strength training two to three times a week. You could do, you could do a fourth day in a 10k cycle. If again, this assumes you have the time, um, depending on what your personal life looks like. But if we go for like minimum of what I'd want, I'd want, you know, two days a week, um, at a minimum for that, uh, for the half marathon, um, and the marathon, I would say anywhere from two to three days a week of strength training, there's always going to be exceptions. You're going to see some people doing less miles, more strength, but for the most people, two to three days, um, when you get more into that last like month of a very specific training in both the half and the full, that's when I'd really consider dropping to just two days a week um, of strength training and transitioning eventually to more body weight or banded exercises because your training loads, you're going to be for, we didn't talk about tapering, but for each of these races, you're going to be tapering down your distance, which means running less miles in anticipation of that race. So your strength training should also be tapered down. So that was going to be a question. That was going to be okay. one of my questions. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying it. So is there your tapering, right? So tapering is when you're kind of, the mileage and intensity are going down in anticipation of your race date. Is there a difference in this tapering period between the 5k 10k half and marathon yes um so for a 5k I would say you really only need about a one week taper which means that week you're gonna do your speed work's just gonna be a little bit less intense usually what I'll prescribe is either like four 800s at 5k pace um just to get them like really in sync with what that pace feels like or some 400s at 5k pace um so something really easy um, for the 10k, probably about like two weeks, um, you know, the weekend before we're not going to do a long run with pace work in it. It's going to be a longer aerobic effort. Um, the, the speed work, the intensity will still be up in the speed work, but miles will be down. So, you know, about one to two weeks there, uh, for the half marathon, um, probably anywhere from two, like closer to two weeks, like some athletes might need three weeks. Like I have some athletes that I know just from the past of what's worked better for them. Like maybe they're a little bit more injury prone. We're going to want to have a little bit more time, um, to make sure that they're fully rested and recovered for the half. So closer to three, but most athletes are probably going to fall closer to two weeks for that. Um, for the marathon, um, most people, I'd say it, this is two to four, depending on the athlete. Um, some people like to start tapering out closer to four weeks. Uh, what I've found personally works better for me is about three weeks um, of a taper. And then there are some athletes who will run a 20 mile run a couple of weeks out and then like a 10 mile, 12 mile run the, the next week and then the race. Um, so it really depends, I'd say, on that trial and error. And unfortunately, be the way to figure that out. Um, but if you're new to it, I would say aim for closer to that three to four week taper period. We talk about peak weeks. So our peak weeks are those like the highest of high mileage, you know, that we have in a training cycle. Do all the distances have a peak week? That's a good question. Um, I'd say most do. I'd say everything does except the 5K might not because a lot of times your 5K mileage 
or most of the block might hover in the same type of mileage range. So that's the one where there might not be a true peak week. Um, but the rest of the distances, yes, there is going to be one week that is a little bit heavier than the others. Which brings me to this kind of final question when it comes to thinking about these different distances is, oh, actually, I forgot to ask you a question. I'll go back to it. So this will be our semi-final-ish question <laughs> with the distances. Can you just for a range so that people really grasp the difference between the distances, what's a typical long run, quote unquote, long run for a 5k training plan, 10k training plan, half marathon and marathon? What's a typical distance in terms of just mileage? Because if we say three hours, four hours, people might not get that. I think mm. they would, but I know for me, when I see the miles, I'm like, Ooh, okay. We're, we're, we're really in the work now. <laughs> what does that look like for the different distances? For their like peak or for just like in just the long general. run. Okay. The long run. Yeah. Yeah. So for a 5k, um, for our beginner athletes, they're probably never going to run more than a 5k during their actual training block. And more than likely, they're going to probably peak out closer to like 2.5 or so if they're beginners. Um, for a 5k athlete who has more experience is really trying to work on that time, probably anywhere from like eight to 10 miles is what they're looking at uh, with most runs, long runs, probably being closer to eight miles. You might get a 10 to 12 in there as like your peak. Um, if you, if you're doing a peak week, that is, um, for a 10 K, uh, most runners, if you're building up to the distance, your longest run is probably going to be somewhere from five to five and a half, maybe six. Um, if you're building to that distance, if you're training for it a little bit more intensely, probably closer to, um, you know, 12, 12 miles or so is would be the most you'd run could run a little bit more if you wanted to, but um, 10 to 12 is what we're looking at for longest. Um, half marathon, that can vary, but I think for most people, no one, most people aren't going to exceed over like 15 to 16 miles as an advanced athlete in a half marathon build. Um, so, but most people will build up to at least about like 12 miles, like Mm -hmm. 11 to 12 miles, um, as their peak long run. Um, it maybe if they haven't done a half marathon before they're kind of stopping at that, like 12 mile mark. Um, and then for the marathon, uh, this can range cause we talked about time on feet. So this one can be different. So there are, are two camps and one camp subscribes to the fact that you should not run over three hours in any given long run. And then there's another camp that says, that's not true. Like it really depends on the athlete and their ability and their recovery and like how injury prone they are. Um, I kind of fall more into the second camp where I think that some athletes can actually benefit more from doing longer runs over that three hours. So like that 20 mile long run that we hear about with the marathon for some athletes, that's going to take them over four, like four hours to, to do, um, and for some, they really need that mental check of, yes, I can do 20 miles so I can do the marathon. Um, and so we will do the 20 mile long run, knowing it's going to be a longer time on feet. And I just account for that in the recovery time after that. 
for someone like that, I probably would put their 20 miler four weeks out, like we talked about with tapering, and then give them a little bit longer of a taper. Um, but for some people with the marathon, they don't want to go over three hours. So three hours for them might look like a 16 mile long run one day. And then the day after doing no another six to eight miles to get that total accumulation of volume within a 24 hour period. Um, so they're splitting their long run up differently. Um, but I would say most athletes in a marathon build are going to do at a minimum an 18 mile long run. Some will do up to like 22, 23. If they're more advanced, they're on, they're on their feet probably for that 23 mile long run for like three hours. So they're a little bit quicker. Um, so, but most people that 20 mile long run is like kind of the peak. Um, and a, a lot of it is mental, just knowing that they can mentally do that. Yeah. I listen in my marathon build for London, I asked for a 22 mile run and I'm like, mm -hmm. I know it's going to take me forever. And it's not so much physiological, like the benefits, right. whatever that is, but it was mental. It was mentally, I needed to do that so that I could Practice it one, but also remember that even though that is a lot on the body, I can have fun doing it. So it was a confidence booster, but also a celebration. And I I thank you for pointing that out because we do, I feel like there's so much information out there that it, it does conflict. And ultimately it's what works best for you. And kind of going back to something you said earlier of like, what's the purpose of what you're doing? And once you connect to that purpose, you can figure it out. Okay, if your purpose isn't necessarily to get faster on this run or to do anything like that, but your purpose is to mentally believe that you're capable of doing it, then all right, let's go for it. The question that I forgot to ask you was, when it comes to a marathon, what season of life, season as a runner, is this a good distance to train for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Um one that you have a lot of time to devote <laughs> to, to your training. Um, as much as we don't want to admit it, it does become your life for like those four to five months, because not just like when you're running, but you're having to be very intentional off the run about what am I putting into my body? How much sleep am I getting? Like, um, you know, what am I spending the rest of the day doing? Like it's, it takes a family sacrifice too, if you have young kids that maybe they want to go to an amusement park that day. Like, but you just ran 20 miles. Like, is that really going to be feasible for you to go spend you know, five, six hours on your feet after that? So it's, um, I think it's an investment on the whole family, um, to be okay with, with someone training for this and have the support, um, to do that. Um, it can, it's a wonderful distance. So don't get me wrong. Like I, it's a great thing to train for. There's a lot of sense of accomplishment and pride in being able to do the marathon. And I think that is uh, one season, like a season of life is you wanting to have something that you're working really hard towards. That's a huge accomplishment because most people don't run marathons. So to them, it's, it's a huge deal um, when they hear you're training for one. So if you need that structure and sense of accomplishment from that distance that can be a, a good one to train for um but definitely thinking about what's going on in your world and if it excites you um this is one thing I'm going to get on my soapbox for just for a minute um 
there is a lot of hype out there about the marathon and it is again a great distance I've run it 13 times or so so I'm not knocking the marathon but there we even talked about like no one runs a 10k and why is that and it's because like some of these distances have just gotten so much hype um so think about if you really want to train for this like knowing it's it's easy to sign up for the race and pay the registration fee. It is much harder to do the work, um, the you know eight plus hours a week of running that you're doing, or all the other things like the strength training we talk about, cross training, recovery, PT, like everything you could possibly be doing for the build. Really thinking about is this the distance that I want to train for and excites me as number one. <laughs> That's such a great question because I, I find a lot of people they'll see they'll see the curated Instagram, me sharing my runs, and they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to knock anyone who's ever sent me a message of like, you inspire me, you do this. And I'm like, Yeah, thank you. But also, this is a picture that doesn't really reflect all the sacrifices and all the hard work, my finish line pictures, my London pictures, any of the race pictures, all of that. I, I'm so happy that it does inspire people and that it does open them up to the distance or to the possibility of it. But I, I, I feel like very similar to you where it's like, don't get caught up in the pretty picture, right? Like there, there is a lot of sacrifice, a lot of tears <laughs> maybe not maybe they didn't come out but there were yeah. definitely those tears of like of frustration of exhaustion that went into that picture that you see me in a race smiling right like half the time I'm not I, well first of all I smile when there's a camera because I don't know what to do when there's a camera in my face I just have to smile but also know that sometimes the smile is because I know I'm done right like mm -hmm. it's like okay after this I'm done. I'm done. There's a period of recovery or a period of break or whatever the case is. So I really do appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of people get caught up in that hype and they think, oh, that in order to be a runner or that they have to do it. And it's like, no, man, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. If it makes you happy, do it. Because this, the bigger the distance, the more time requirement, the more sacrifice you're going to have to give in order for the training to happen. Yeah. Signing up for the race, it's satisfying when you, you know, your credit card, you're there, you're like, yes, I'm doing <laughs> it. But then when the reality sets in of here's potentially with a marathon, right? Here's potentially the next, you know, four to eight months of your life for this one day. Let's pause and think about that too. All right. Final second, to, second to final question is you've answered it before. We're asking it again. See if anything's changed for you. But how can we make this sport that we both love so much more accessible and inclusive? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I think it comes down to share. Like I think we talked about before sharing your experience and making sure that you know that like your individual story might inspire someone else. Um, say you get DMs from different people. So the people you reach might be different than the people I reach and the uh, people the next person reaches. So, um, you know, about being willing to share the whole story um, is important. So people know the struggles, they know what you've been through, what, you know, 
what your training looks like can be inspiring to other people. Um, that's one way I think to make sport more inclusive and accessible, um, to be able to, sh uh, invite others. Um, if you're part of a run club, making sure that your run club is open and welcoming to people of all different, um, backgrounds, um, making sure that they feel welcome when they come to your space too, and going out of your way to introduce yourself to them and make sure that they find some running buddies. Um, so it's making a conscious effort, I think, to include people in, in different activities. Um, I think the work that you're doing through this podcast is reaching different spaces, which is amazing. Um, but I think just showing up authentically as yourself can be the best, one of the best ways to make this sport better. Um, because the more people who are sharing their stories, the more people that look like them or appear to be like them are going to connect and realize that there is a place for them within this sport. I love that. And you did. That was, I'm like, once I heard you say that, I'm like, that is what she said last time. <laughs> it's about the importance of sharing our stories and talking and talking about it. Okay. Final question is where are you on social media? How can we learn more about you and what do you have coming up that we can celebrate you in? Yeah, I just thought of one more and then I'll answer your question. But another one is <laughs> to support companies that um, that have values that you believe in that are doing making the work to make the sport more inclusive. Um, so yeah, showing yeah with your dollars, that's how you can show support as well and make the sport more inclusive. Um, whether that be through sizing a company offers or through the type of people that they're partnering with. Um, so, okay put that aside, but wanted to mention that. That was awesome. That. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so about me, what I have coming up. So I am running um, the Chicago Marathon this fall. Uh, I was recently accepted to run New York as part of um, Believe in the Runs team, which was crazy. I was not expecting that at all. Um, I went from saying I wasn't going to run a marathon this fall to having two. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so that's, that's my plan. Um, planning to take one easy, just so people know I'm not racing two marathons. Yeah. I was going to say, uh -huh, okay, so how are we approaching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most likely running, um, Chicago with my brother who's running his first ever marathon. So that should be really fun. Um, and then run New York, uh, for me and what else is going on? Um, really just enjoying summer. I'm one of the few who loves summer running. Like I know it can be oppressive. Um, and, intense but I live for this because I hate winter running so um yes and I mean I live in Chicago so it's not as bad as where it is by you in Miami so it's a little bit different but it will get hot and humid here soon but I'm enjoying this nice springish weather while we have it <laughs> where can we um, find you on Instagram yeah um, on Instagram I'm uh Katha run 26.2 just trying to play on word with my name there um, and then I am, like I said, I'm a coach for Team Sugar Run. So if you're interested in working with me, check out um, the sugarruns.com website and connect with us there. And I'd love to chat with you. Thank you so much for running us through. There was so much information in this episode. And if you're considering running any of the distances, I hope this conversation has helped you. Any final words for us, Catherine? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I think for everyone going for these goals this fall um, or beyond, just 
you know, have faith in yourself, push yourself, be excited about the goals that you've set for yourself. And yeah, let's just go chase down some scary goals together this, this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode felt like a marathon itself. There are so many things to consider when deciding on a distance to train for and race. I hope you learned something new and are left feeling inspired to put on some shoes and either race your favorite distance or race one you haven't done before. I know I'm curious about adding in a 10K training block at some point after this discussion. For more on Catherine, give her a follow on Instagram at kathrun26.2 and check out her coaching services on sugarruns.com. What's your favorite distance to train for? I would love to hear about it. You can reach out to me on Instagram at the cookie runner or through my website at thecookierunner.net. You can also support this podcast with a rating review or a share until next time run happy, run strong and run true to you.